Welcome to the Duathlon Show. This episode, Better Than the Tour de France, 11 Things You Should Know About the Vuelta a España 2023. We're big fans of professional cycling here at the Duathlon Show. Cycling is, of course, the central discipline of the traditional run-bike-run duathlon. By far the biggest cycling race in the world is the Tour de France, the Grand Tour which occurs each July in the land of Champagne and Bordeaux. But did you know that the land of Cava and Rioja also has a three-week cycling race? That's right, I'm talking about La Vuelta a España, the race starting Saturday, August 26, 2023 in Barcelona, Spain. In this episode, I'll share 11 things you should know about the Vuelta a España and try to convince you that this year's edition is going to be better than the Tour de France. First thing you should know about the Vuelta is the red jersey. This is the leader's jersey in the Tour of Spain. The Tour de France has the yellow jersey and the Vuelta has the Mayo Rojo. The leader's jersey for this race only became red in 2010. The first Vuelta was run in 1935, but didn't become a regular yearly event until 1955. It's the youngest of the three Grand Tours. The leader's jersey was initially yellow, just like the Tour. In 1999, that changed to gold. In 2010, finally, red was chosen for the leader's jersey, and that has since become iconic. The red was originally based on the Spanish national team, which typically wears red in all sports. The other distinctive jerseys in the Vuelta a España are the white with blue polka dot climbers competition jersey, the green jersey for the points competition, this is often but not always won by a sprinter, with the absence of the World Tour's best-known sprinters in this year's Vuelta, however, it seems everyone's betting favorite for the green jersey is Primoz Roglic, so don't be surprised if you see Roglic in green, aka Froglic, at some point during this race. Finally, we have the white jersey for the Young Riders classification. This is awarded to the rider under the age of 26 who finishes highest in general classification. Second thing to know about the Vuelta a España is that it is owned by the ASO. This is the same organization that runs the Tour de France. The Amaury Sport Organization is a French privately held business run by the Amaury family of newspaper publishers. The ASO also runs the Dakar Rally, the Paris Marathon, and other sporting competitions. World Cycling has a governing body called the UCI the Union Cycliste Internationale, but it's said that the ASO has more power in the sport than the UCI because it runs the Tour de France, by far and away the biggest money-making machine in the world of bikes. For many cycling team sponsors, that one month of exposure in July is the whole point of sponsoring a bike team for a whole year. So if the ASO makes a rule about doping or bike technology or something like that, you'll often see the UCI follow suit. Third thing you should know about the Vuelta a España is the word puerto. In Spanish, un puerto de montaña is a mountain pass. Puerto in Spanish is typically a port. 
so you can see how the Spanish applied that thinking to the relatively low and traversable area of a mountain range where you can cross over to the other side. That's a pass. The French went with a body part for their metaphor. Le col de montagne is a mountain pass, but le col is actually the neck in French. A unipuerto stage is where there's only one big climb, and it's at the end of the stage. You've got a stage elevation profile then that looks like a hockey stick, flat and then curved at the end. Examples include stage 11 up La Laguna Negra, which is 8.3 kilometers at 5.8% average gradient, and stage 16 up the Behes climb up 4.7 kilometers and 8.7% grade. In road cycling, you don't actually climb mountains that often. That sounds paradoxical, but hear me out. Most roads on this planet don't go right up to the very top of a mountain, unless there's a castle up there or a statue or observatory or weather station up there, like Mont Ventoux at the top. Most roads on this planet go up into the mountain range towards the easiest pass so that the road can continue down into the valley on the other side of the range. So many massively famous cycling climbs are actually cols or puertos or pasos in Italian. Riders in Grand Tours climb up these mountain passes and then often descend down the other side. But not in a unipuerto stage. In a unipuerto, you only climb up and stay there at the end of the pass, or at the end of the mountain, where someone has happened to plop down a finish line and a podium, along with some stuffed animal and flower arrangements to give the winner. Fourth thing you should know about La Vuelta a España is the term rampas inhumanas. These are inhuman or inhumane ramps. In cycling, a 6 or 7% gradient is a hard climb. 8 to 10% is a very hard climb. And then you have the Vuelta a España, which revels in the perversity of including 20% gradients or higher on its climbs. The fans go crazy for rampas inhumanas and the riders hate them. The worst rampas in this year's race are on the famous Angleru climb in Astorias in the north of Spain. The whole entire Angleru climb is 12.5 kilometers, that's 7.7 .7 miles, at a 10% average gradient. But the second half has pinch points of 15.5, 19.6, 21.6, and then maxing out at 23.5% gradient for a section. These are the Rampas Inhumanus, and the reaction they provoke speaks to their inhumanity. In 2002, one cycling team manager said of the Angleru, quote, What do they want? Blood? They ask us to stay clean and avoid doping, and then they make the riders tackle this kind of barbarity? A French rider said someone should make a rule against gradients this high in races. Quote, On the Anglerou, the guys go too pitifully for the climb to have any sporting interest. Even the winner goes up in slow motion. There's no attacking. From front to rear, everyone just gets up as best he can. Look out for the rampas inhumanas in this year's Vuelta a España. The guys will be going very, very slow up them. Fifth thing you should know. Stage one of the race is a TTT, a team time trial. In cycling, the time trial is known as the race of truth because drafting and team tactics don't come into play. 
If you can ignore team budgets for fancier time trial equipment and more wind tunnel time, pretty much the strongest rider always wins a time trial. There's nowhere to hide in the race of truth, but a team time trial is something rarer and more unique. In a normal time trial, it's one rider at a time. But a team time trial has the whole team of eight riders in line time trialing together. They'll rotate up through the line of riders, taking turns at the front, drafting behind all their teammates in front until it's their turn to pull. The rider on the winning team who crosses the line first in this first stage TTT will get to wear the race's first red jersey as race leader on the next day. Sometimes a strong team will allow a loyal domestique or helper rider cross the line in first place if they think they're going to win. That way, this rider who would never ordinarily have a real shot to lead a grand tour, even for one day, gets to pull on a leader's jersey as a thank you for loyal service. This happened in last year's Vuelta when Robert Hessink wore the jersey for a day after his Jumbo Visma team won the Stage 1 TTT. The sixth thing you should know about the Vuelta España 2023 is all the calendar intrigue. The Vuelta used to be in the spring, now it's in the fall. It was originally held in the spring, originally late April, with a few editions held in June in the 1940s. But in 1995, the Vuelta moved to September to avoid direct competition with the Giro d'Italia held in May. The biggest result of this change, especially in recent years, has been a better start list. Riders who failed to meet their goals at July's Tour de France are ready to come back in late August for a redemption tour of Spain. The Tour Vuelta double makes a lot more sense for GC contenders than the Giro Tour double does. Going to the Giro in the high mountains of Italy in May, where you're likely to see ice or snow or freezing rain, is a great way to burn yourself out a month before the biggest race in the world, the Tour. But going to the Vuelta a month after Le Tour with a fire in your belly and no other goals for the rest of the season makes a lot of sense for big riders. It's why this year's start list is so stacked. We'll dive into that later. So what's the intrigue? That comes with the idea of swapping the positioning of the Giro and the Vuelta on the calendar. The Giro d'Italia has a cold problem. And the Vuelta has a heat problem. With extreme weather in both directions worsening in recent years thanks to climate change. Lots of cycling traditionalists would prefer this switch, allowing the Giro, a race with more history and prestige than the Vuelta, to benefit from the post-tour boon that the Vuelta currently enjoys. The problem, of course, is that the Giro is owned by an organization called RCS and the Vuelta is owned by ASO. Those orgs would need to negotiate. And why would the Vuelta sacrifice its current prime position in the calendar? I think it would take a bigger reason than heat, or the heat on this planet would have to get much worse. Unfortunately, it probably is. But for now, they're making too much money. The race will probably legalize under-jersey cooling vests for every rider before they would decide to move the race around on the calendar to avoid the consequences of climate change. The seventh thing you should know is all about the Basque Country. The Basque Country is the traditional heartland of cycling in Spain. It's home to famous bike manufacturers, as well as the Tour of the Basque Country stage race and the San Sebastian One Day Classic. Spain has one World Tour professional cycling team, Movistar, sponsored by the largest telecommunications company in Spain. 
This team is based in Pamplona, in the Comunidad of Navarre, which is part of the greater Basque country. This year there are no stages in the Basque Comunidad proper, but stage 15 starts in Pamplona, and stage 16 is in Cantabria, just east of El País Vasco, or Euskadi, as it's called in the local Basque language. The Basques have a reputation as some of the most passionate fans of cycling in the world. You might see them in their bright orange tops, signaling support of the Basque Euskatel Euskadi second division team who aren't even participating in this year's Vuelta, even if that team does have a storied history at this race. You can think of some of these Basque superfans as similar to football ultras, but without the hooliganism. One great thing about pro cycling is that since the teams are so transient and dependent on sponsor whims, as opposed to being based in a community in a local stadium, cycling fans are less fans of teams and more fans of certain riders in most cases. Every cycling fan I've ever encountered always has like 15 favorite riders on 12 different teams. It's easy to pull from multiple riders. I think this results in less tribalism and hate than you see in top-level football or soccer. Eighth thing to know about the Volta 2023? The contenders. Headline. Last year's Volta winner Remco Evenepoel versus the winner of the 2019, 2020, and 2021 Voltas, Primoz Roglic. Avenepool vs. Roglic at the Vuelta is happening again this year after Rog crashed out last year. And shockingly, those two men who hold the last four Vuelta titles between them are not even the biggest name at this race. The biggest competitor at this race is the man who won this year's Tour de France, Primoz Roglic's teammate at Jumbo Visma, Jonas Vingegaard, or Vingegaard as it looks as you're reading it on the page. That's right, folks, the 2023 yellow jersey is looking to add a red top to his collection. He's got his eye on the skin-tight one, sponsored by French supermarket chain Carrefour and manufactured by Santini. Those three probably represent Tier 1A. Tier 1B of contenders contains Geraint Thomas of the Ineos Grenadiers team. This 37-year-old Welshman and 2018 Tour de France winner came a close second to Primoz Roglic at the Giro d'Italia this year, losing in the final time trial. And Team UAE Emirates has got the Spanish wunderkind Juan Ayuso, 20 years old, already third in last year's Vuelta, and the Portuguese Joao Almeida, third in this year's Giro. Final contender I'll mention is Enric Mas of Movistar, three times second at La Vuelta, 2022, 2021, and 2018. He'll be looking for redemption after crashing out of stage one of this year's Tour de France. Item number nine you should know about the Vuelta España. The race visits a second country outside of Spain. Stage 3 begins in Suria in Spain and ends in Arinsal in the micronation of Andorra. Andorra is a tiny independent principality situated between France and Spain in the Pyrenees Mountains, known for its ski resorts, tax haven status, and the large number of pro cyclists who live there. Who's the prince of Andorra, you might ask? There are actually two. In an only in Europe moment, we find out that the co-princes of Andorra are Joan Enrique Vives Sicilia, the Catholic Bishop of Urgell over the border in Catalonia, Spain, and, wait for it, 
Emmanuel Macron, president of France. That's right, Andorra is a unitary, parliamentary, constitutional, semi-theocratic, elective diarchy. This constitutional setup, established by edict in 1607, says that the holder of the office of Bishop of Urgell and the office of head of the French state are the legal co-princes of Andorra. This is funny to me because the head of the French state, whether a king or emperor or president of the French Republic, is always a raging philanderer often a warmonger, and these days, sometimes even a socialist. And that guy gets to team up with a stodgy Catholic bishop as co-prince. I want to see that buddy comedy. Stage 4 again starts in Andorra, but only for one kilometer before slipping back over the border into Spain. Tenth thing to know about the Vuelta. The race visits one more country in addition to Spain and Andorra. That's right, La Vuelta España should really be called La Vuelta España y Andorra y Francia. The race enters France in stage 13 from Formigal o Escalamagia to the Col de Tourmalet and starts the following day stage 14 in France from Sauveterre de Biel then rides back into Spain finishing at Lara Belagua. That stage 13 features three big climbs more associated with Le Tour than the Vuelta. The Col d'Obisque, the Col de Spandel, and the legendary Col de Tourmalet will be the centerpieces of Le Taparena, the Queen Stage, the name the cycling world gives to the most difficult day of a stage race. So it'll be a funny old Queen Stage of the Tour of Spain that will happen to be happening mostly across the border in France. As they say across the border in France, c'est la vie. Number 11, the final thing to know about the Vuelta España 2023. Sepp Kuss could be the first rider to finish three Grand Tours in a season since 2017. That's right, the Eagle of Durango is back in action again after finishing the Giro and the Tour de France this year. Sepp's Jumbo Visma team are trying to make history by being the first team to win all three Grand Tours in one season. If he was there for all three, that would be a legendary achievement. But could Jumbo's two winners, both here at this race, get in each other's way? The Roglic vs. Vingago potential drama is one of the main storylines of this year's race and could play out in fascinating fashion. Roglic is the Slovenian ex-ski jumper with the explosive punchy climbing ability and the tendency to make fans and journalists alike cast him as the lovable but tragic hero of near misses and last second collapses. This is despite his impressive record of 78 career wins. He is missing the big one though, having finished the Tour de France in tragic hero fashion a few times, with his best result being a second place in 2020, plus some unfortunate crashes and abandons in his other attempts. Vingago is the ex-fish packer from Denmark with the cool attitude towards the media and the tendency to get described as icy or robotic. Less beloved by fans and journos, Jonas is the pure climbing machine and 2022-2023 TDF winner, who eclipsed both Slovenians, first his teammate Roglic, and then fan favorite Tadej Pogacar, winner of the 2020 and 2021 tours. 
Will Vingago's shorter preparation off the back of the tour in July mean he's carrying less form than teammate Roglic, who got the ideal prep? Or will Jonas, the man with the most powerful set of legs and lungs on a bicycle on planet Earth, eclipse his teammate once again? Tune in for the drama, August 26th through September 17th, 2023. Thank you for listening to the Duathlon Show. I hope I've gone some way towards convincing you that the wealth of 2023 might actually be better than the Tour de France. Only Tadej Pogacar is missing from the start list. Every other top-tier GC favorite is here. Plus a stacked field just below that top tier. With rampas inhumanas, passionate fans, co-principalities, calendar intrigue, and much more. I hope you go off now and enjoy the three weeks of racing at Spain's Grand Tour with a bit more context than you had before. Stay dry, everyone. You can follow The Duathlon Show on Twitter and YouTube at The Duathlon Show. Questions or comments? Show at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a good rating and review on the platform where you found it and tell your friends. You can support The Duathlon Show by donating at ko-fi.com slash theduathlonshow. 